0: Congressman Mike Bost represents an expansive portion of Southern Illinois in the U.S. House of Representatives. And now he's facing a stiff challenge for re-election from St. Clair State's attorney, Brendan Kelly. The Republican from Murfreesboro joins us on the latest edition of Politically Speaking to break down how he'll win a third term and how his district has become more red over time. Let's hit the music.
1: This is the Politically Speaking Podcast, a candid conversation with the Show Me State's biggest political newsmakers. I'm Jason Mersenbaum. And I'm Joe Manish. Elections should be about your accomplishments.
2: What have you done to qualify you for the position and why are you qualified to run? I'm going to push back
1: Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Lufu's Alfa Romeo offering test drives of the Alfa Romeo Giulia, the 2018 Motor Trend Car of the Year at Lufu's Alfa Romeo in Fairview Heights.
0: And welcome to Politically Speaking. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is
1: colleague Joe Manis
0: and the representative of Illinois' 12th congressional district, right. the most competitive congressional district in the universe, apparently. Apparently. Apparently.
1: Yeah, at least in the Illinois. Yeah, yeah,
0: we have as our guest today. Mike Bost. And um, I'm really excited for this show, just as I was excited for the Brendan Kelly show. I've covered this race three out of the last four election cycles. I do believe this is one of the most exciting and compelling congressional contests in the entire country. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is both of the candidates, I feel, are really, really strong and have really Mm -hmm. compelling stories to tell. Right that might be damning you with faint praise? Uh, Well, well, we'll, we'll, it it is
2: a race that has been uh, noticed around the nation. Uh, the, The Democrat Nancy Pelosi sees it as a pathway to her speakership. Uh, the, uh, Republicans see it as a, as a competitive race and they need to make their investment and, and knew that off the start. Uh, it is not the first competitive race I've been in.
0: Which we'll talk about in a minute. Okay. Um, in fact, that's exactly what we wanted to talk to you about. Since we have not had you on the show before, we do want to give you a chance to tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. And your your political biography, because it's very, very interesting in many respects. Well,
2: let me tell you that uh, I was born and raised right there in Murfreesboro, Illinois, uh, except for the three years I served in the United States Marine Corps. My background uh, I went uh, to the Marine Corps, was an electronic specialist there, came back home, uh, started running and managing the family trucking business. Uh, I jokingly say to people, I ran that for 10 years, I loved it for eight. Uh, My brother now runs it. Uh, It was a family business started by my grandfather in 1933, so it was a family business. wife and I also then uh, went into uh, uh, we actually own a beauty salon and uh, I don't do hair I actually fold a lot of towels and uh, uh, used to do books but now my daughter's involved and she does those for them that being said, I got involved in politics early in life after coming home from the Marine Corps. I'm young and married early and had two children at a very young age. And I was running the family business, and I saw some things happening at the local level. was not happy with them. I got uh, I got a little upset. And my wife walked into the family room and looked at me and says, what's wrong? And I told her what was going on in the paper. And she said, well, and she hates to hear this story, but it's true. That's what she said. She said, either shut up or get involved. (laughs) And she didn't know what to level over the years I would be involved. So right after that, I had to decide whether I was Republican or Democrat. And I tell uh, youth whenever I'm talking with them in schools and high schools and around uh, and and colleges that I went to this thing called the library uh, because we didn't have the Internet back then. And uh, I actually read the platform. Of then Ronald Reagan and the Republican Party, and uh, Walter Mondale and Democrat Party. And though I had friends that told me you couldn't be elected in that area unless you were a Democrat, I knew that uh, my ideas and my beliefs were Republican, and I ran on a Republican ticket for county board.
0: And that's going to be a theme we talk about throughout this show. Um, Southern Illinois, particularly the part that you represent now, Mm -hmm. is a traditionally Democratic area. The twelfth district, which kind of stretches from the metro east down all the way to I think the Missouri-Kentucky border was a Democratic district for like 40 yeah, but or they 50 were, years, Yeah, but they were, they were blue dog Democrats. Blue dog yeah. Democrats. Yeah, and, right.
2: and, that's, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's vitally important to understand. Uh, when I first ran in, in one of the counties, Union County, as a state rep, it was vitally important that I went and knocked on the door. As they opened the door, I stuck my foot in the door, and I said, hi, I'm Mike Bost. I'm running for state representative. And they would say Republican or Democrat, and I'd go Republican. They'd try to shut the door. My foot was already in, and I said, hear me out. I'm pro-life. I believe very strongly in the Second Amendment. I believe less government is better, and I believe local control is better. And many of them would go, well, you believe like I do. And I said, yeah, but I'm a Democrat. Right. Why are you a Democrat? And here's what they'd say. Mom and dad were, Are my unions told, them, told me I need to be. And I could say, I'm a union firefighter. My grandparents uh, on my grandfather on my mother's side are all union coal miners. I understand the importance of unions. That over the years has has made it to where, you know, the idea of a representative form of government is just that. You represent the people, and if you can represent the people and not necessarily the party, at times I have to fight against my own party, you know, that – Understanding unions uh, is not exactly what most Republicans are known for. Uh, so it kind of causes a little bit of conflict, but they understand who I am. There's several of us that that are from union areas and know understand why it is that uh, bargain agreements are, are made, held, and held up on.
0: So, for example, uh, you're opposed to right to work. Which I would, am. Which mm-hmm. would bar unions mm-hmm. and employers from requiring workers to pay dues as a condition of employment. Right. Huge issue in and, Missouri, not so much in I mean, it's an issue in
2: Illinois, Illinois, Illinois too, too yeah. because we're the only state left that isn't made that decision. Um, Also, uh, I was one of the first ones to come out and speak while I thought the Janus decision was wrong. Uh, Because let me tell you that when, uh, and and, and it kind of shocked a few people, I guess, but it it didn't shock the people who knew me.
1: Well, explain our listeners what the Janus
2: Janus, Basically, in the state of Illinois, there was a a suit filed that claimed that um, a person should not have to be required to be part of the union as far as a state worker is concerned. And the argument for that was we were a fair share state and you could take a fair share payment, which means that you still paid for uh, being a union member, but there was a section that went to politics and it would be removed. And I said, because it was set up that way, I didn't think the Supreme Court was right in their call. Now, I don't make the call for them. Thank heaven. We have those separations and that's fine. But the problem that exists is, is that when you are a member of a uh, organized labor group, whether it's state, federal, or whatever, or, or local, you get the, if 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 you're going to get the benefits of them, they will negotiate on your behalf if there is a grievance. They will also then argue for your behalf for whatever your pay increase might be or benefit increase might be. So therefore, they're providing a service. And as long as you know, but if they are supporting somebody politically, you don't support. Then pull your money out of the pack side. That's what we were able to do. But according now, according to the way the ruling went down, that's not the case, and, and so it's a little tough. So
0: just to get to summarize some of your political experience, you were in the Illinois House of Representatives from I think 1995. Years. To I think 2015. Mm-hmm. I went in.
2: I went in during. Uh, I, I went in uh, during the time of the Newt wave uh served uh and my district was always a targeted district well for the first several years then i became a member of the republican leadership uh was actually a floor leader uh and then uh ran for Congress. congress Four years ago. Mm-hmm.
0: Was there ever a point in time where you were in the majority in the Illinois House? Yes, the first two years. Yes. That was the only time in my entire lifetime that Michael Madigan has not been Speaker of the House. Had not been
2: Speaker of the House. That's right. The uh, um, Mike Madigan has been Speaker for 36 years with with a hiatus in 1995 and 96. And that was the year that I came in. Uh, as a freshman, uh, and, and that was the time we did welfare reform in the state of Illinois that then Bill Clinton picked up and, and moved to the national level. We also did some major uh, uh, tort legislation at the time to try to encourage business growth. We were operating the budget and paying on bills on 28 day pay cycles.
0: So and this is kind of gonna transition into what you're doing now. Yeah. So it's an inverse situation in Missouri where Democrats are like in deep in the minority, Whereas in in Illinois, Republicans have been, you know, deep in the minority in various capacities for a long time. How has it been to go into a situation where famously you got very upset about Mm -hmm. the situation, probably to your benefit when the DCCC ran those ads showing that that aforementioned speech, to a point where you're actually in Congress, you've been in the majority the whole time. And you can actually do things rather than well, rail against he, that's people. That's just it.
2: That's just it. It is the ability to um, grab legislation that you can see that is good, that can make things better for your children and grandchildren. And you can see that and move forward. And it's not just children and grandchildren per se. Uh, you know, I'm I'm blessed in the committees that I'm on. I'm on transportation and infrastructure, which is vitally important to not only my district but the, the nation. Uh, and then I'm on ag, which is with my district, that's vitally important as well. But the Veterans Affairs Committee is a humbling experience for me, and especially being the chairman of the uh, uh, Disability and Memorial Affairs Committee, uh, which deals with uh, those who have a had been disabled through uh, their time in service. They can have an appeals process. We modified that. We were able to get those modifications done in a bipartisan manner to move forward with that language and then actually speed up the process by which we could actually allow our veterans to to receive their benefits. Also with that committee is we have every um, memorial and grave site in the world is under that committee, which is humbling in itself.
1: So what do you see if someone asks you uh, why you should be reelected? What do you see as one of your top accomplishments? I mean, you were talking about various things that have been going on, but what do you see as your top accomplishment as you make this bid for another term?
2: Yeah, there's several top accomplishments, and one I just mentioned was the fact of the revamping the disability uh, uh system so that it can react faster. Uh, when we start talking about uh, ag, I've been working on the ag bill and my involvement with that and the learning curve went straight up because you've got to understand that uh, that the bill uh, that is the farm bill is just that. It is 50% farm bill. The other 50% is, is the uh, SNAP programs. Uh, there, there's welfare pre- reform that we put in there, uh, not anything that jerks the rug out from under anybody. It is an actually opportunity for people to go back to work at a time when one of the major accomplishments we've had over the last couple of years is, or last year and a half is the tax reform bill. The tax reform bill, you know, they can you can criticize, but it has stimulated the economy. Uh, it is a great benefit to a majority, a mass majority of the people. It has not been done since, uh, well, the last time they done it, uh, the last time it was done... Uh, I was running for county, city county board, and I had a um, a mullet, and my wife told me it looked good. So that's how long ago. And a mustache. Was, I did have a mustache. Yeah, I did. Up until four not, until I was forty four years old, I had a mustache. But they so so the accomplishments there, the economy growth, the the economic growth, all of the things we're seeing, is some of the things that I can hang my hat on, and that we need to keep driving down.
1: Now with the uh Tax cuts, however, I mean, there's been a lot of news lately about the uh, increased deficits, at least in the short term, and the possible addition to the debt. Um, how do you respond to that? There's been speculation so, on what Congress might need to do next year. I'm interested in your take on I, that. I,
2: I want you to look at those numbers where they said off the start. You know, we're going to see an increase in deficit. Actually, because we're seeing for the first where where the new norm was supposed to be 1.9 percent GDP growth, we're doing, we're up over four. That in itself will be able to stimulate like it did during uh, Bill Clinton era and Newt Gingrich era, a growth that actually allows us to qu- quickly move towards a about balanced budget. You, you, you can try to tax your way out of a situation, which Illinois has tried to do. You can see how that worked. Or you can try to grow your way out. What we were able to do with the tax cut bill is do just that. We, we see our biggest problem right now, whenever I'm talking to people in business, are I'm expanding, I'm wanting to expand, I can't find enough employees. So then we have to start working on educating and training new employees for the jobs that are out there. But that is whenever you hear the people that say, oh, no, no, we're going to have an increase in deficit. The reality is, is that by growing the economy that deficit then is reduced.
0: I want to talk about an issue that's very big in your district that's the steel and aluminum terrace because if I'm not mistaken uh, Granite City Works is in the 12th district. It is, it's my district. Beautiful Granite City, Illinois. Yeah,
1: Jason were, and I were both there when the president visited. And I asked,
0: I asked this to Brendan Kelly because I, I sense that the tariffs will end up helping a place like Granite City works in the long run. They, it might, they they,
2: they helped them in the short run. Yeah, in the yeah. short run and, and in the, the long, long run, run. <laughs> because
0: there may be more domestic steel production that happens there. But you talk to agriculture groups in Missouri and they are they're apoplectic scared. They're apoplectic they're, they're scared. And let me so I, I want you to, I want yeah let you me to
2: clarify talk. that because they're scared. But let me also say this: I've worked side by side with my ag because I told you I was on an ag committee. We've worked side by side to see what their problems are. If you notice one thing that has come about, the, the agreement with Mexico, which will probably force Canada back to the table. Now Canada wants to hold on to their dairy situation, and that's where the real negotiation is. But but the problem is they they can't see drawing out of the deal. But be, at the loss over the dairy when they know for a fact they've got to be in the deal. And it's a really good deal for a no- negotiation that way. The EU has now come on board and they're buying soybeans for the first time in 15 years. So, But th- this still boils down to we've got to drive China away from this situation where they're cheating all the time. So my ag people, we sit with them, we talk, we we deliver the message that they need to the administration, whether it's on how the importance is with Japan to go ahead and get that market opened up for our pork producers, to make sure that we got the EU opened up to soybean to try to get that direction working in the right direction. So they're scared. They're worried because that's what farmers, you know, God bless them. They, they, they worry about the rain. They worry about the, the, the dry. They, they, they worry. And so they're going to worry about this. But working with them, Understand this. They understand that I'm working for them. I got the in, their endorsement through the Farm Bureau and the, the Activator Award, and that's because I've worked with them side by side.
1: Now, um, I mean, I was just talking to a farmer a few days ago who's telling me he's a soybean farmer, that that he's facing losses of half a million dollars this year. Yeah,
2: he, the, the, that is a possibility if we don't straighten a few things out. And it's a double reason, too. The, the, the main reason is is that if the markets were at the price that they were before— that is one thing and then and remember markets have reaction they don't necessarily show truth so we've got to try to get this straightened out as quick as possible and the our soybean farmers as well as our our uh, corn growers they're bringing in record crops well record crops are usually a good thing but they're not a good thing for the overall market because then yeah, you have the, they the drop down so what we also have to remember on soybeans is is china has to have their soybeans Now, the markets are jerking back and forth because of China's reaction, but they have to have soybeans. They have to have it for their hogs, they have to have it for their chickens, and they have to have it for what they do as food product production. That being said, they've got to buy it from somewhere. they got Argentina uh, and Brazil. Argentina is in a drought. So... Somewhere, they're going to have to have those. Now, if they have to cycle them through somewhere else, that's fine. But we're going to have to sell those soybeans. But right now, those farmers are concerned because if they if they go at the market they're at right now, yes, they can take that loss.
0: I want to talk about the president because if the let's just say the DCCC. If they ran an ad saying Mike Bost votes with Donald Trump 97% of the time and tried to use that as a derisive attack against you, like they're doing with Peter Roskam yeah, on the 6th yeah. District— you probably would be jumping for joy because that would likely help you more than it would hurt.
2: Yeah, and it'd be, it, it, and then I'd look and analyze which which votes are with them, and then understand this because I'm going to vote my district first. Mm-hmm. It is that my district would most probably be with him. I
0: want you to explain you, what how you think he's doing. How do you think yeah, he, people he, are in the 12th district react to him, and also places where you think that he's fallen short because. I think that he's been criticized more than many chief executives yes. in recent history, and some of it's been warranted. Some, some
2: of it's warranted. You know what? I wouldn't tweet like that, and the amount of constituents that I have come up saying, can you talk to him and say, don't do that. I said, I don't know if you know it or not, but he doesn't call me at 3 o'clock in the morning before he <laughs> tweets. Um, That's so a shocker. I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> and so you know, the reality is, is I have to look at the good things that are happening under his watch, the, the, the tax reforms, the economic growth, all of these things. Do I have fear also on the tariffs as well as how it helps? Yeah, because you know, you don't know. But remember he's he's different than any other president we've ever had. Um Is that a good thing or is it a bad thing? It's a different thing. And the reality is is that if we sit down and talk with him like we should with any other president, you know the, the thing is, I didn't agree with the with the farmer president uh, always. He and I served together in the Illinois General Assembly. Yeah, played cards with him. Now. But if we wanted to talk, we'd talk, and sometimes I'd agree, sometimes I'd disagree. Same thing with this president. I happen to agree with him more uh, on wanting to make sure the economy is stimulated, that we make sure we do everything we can to make business grow and bring jobs back. So, and he does fairly well in my district, Mm -hmm. but he does well in my district because he's voting exactly the way the majority of the people who voted for him ask him to do.
0: Before we talk about the general campaign, I do want to get your response as to some of the things your opponent said on the show, as well as through the air. One of the things that he's been really hammering home <laughs> is that you've taken campaign donations from pharmaceutical companies and using that to say, you're right. well, you're not you're not strong on the opioid and, situation. And actually,
2: let, let's look at how strong I am on the opioid situation and understand the pharmaceutical company that he's talking about is no longer that pharmaceutical and company. And what
0: pharmaceutical company was it, he talking about?
2: Abby, yeah, yeah, I understand there's a lot of contributions that come in, and there's been times I've returned them, but this was not one that sent up a red flag, oh, my gosh. But mm-hmm. the reality is, too, it's not the contributions that I'm working for. I'm working for the people of the Illinois 12th. I'm working for my grandkids and the future of this nation. But let me also say this as far as uh, uh, more directed towards uh, the, the comments of, of the opioids. 40 to 50 bills is what I voted for to deal with this opioid epidemic, and it is not anything new for Mike Boss to be working on trying to fix and cure problems of drug addiction and other issues out there. And When, when I say these bills that, that we dealt with, they dealt with education of our youth, education of our adults, education of our doctors not to overprescribe, and our, our dentists not to overprescribe. Systems that tie together across state lines to make sure when uh, a phar- person goes in to pick up something at a pharmacy, instantly, if it's in Missouri, you, you know that they went over to Illinois and got something over there and, and, and to try to keep this calm down. Prescription so, monitoring. Monitoring, yes. yes. Sensible stuff because we do see the epidemic. Because remember, if they get tied with that, then the cheaper was going to heroin and then the heroin overdoses occur and you're losing them. And Let me tell you about this. The the hearings we've had over the years, opioid addiction and heroin addiction uh, as, as a substitute to the, the over-the-counter opioids is not something that affects any gender, any race. Any geo, uh, any any financial uh, status, it's everybody right now, and we've got to keep working on. It. That's why we sponsored those bills. And so to say that I have all of a sudden, you know, uh, taken money and not been aggressive after an issue, that's that's that is a little ridiculous.
0: And the other thing that he's attacking you on, in fact, a lot of Democrats are attacking Republicans on, is the health care mm-hmm. situation. He probably is pointing to the fact that there was a health care bill in 2017 that. Substantially curtailed the Affordable Care Act that you voted for. You're right, I a- did. And their... and, it,
2: and if it would and it would have passed, then we would have went to a uh, had had uh, God bless him, uh, McCain not voted no, it would have drove it to a conference committee report. Where you could do the process that is available in our United States Congress, where House and Senate come together and say, "Okay, if we got a problem with this, then let's adjust this," or we have a problem; they have a problem with that, then let's adjust that. But what it did do, it provided for the markets to come down. And because it was not passed, what other things have been happening out there is that uh, because remember this, the A, uh, ACA, ACA, was collapsing. Well before we started taking up to try to fix a health care system that could come back, bringing the free market system back, allow for encouragement of the marketplace to grow so that the prices would come down. Let me tell you, I've said many a times that when they passed the ACA, their initial goal was not wrong. I want affordable, portable, and deal with pre-existing conditions. Matter of fact, I'm on the bills every time they come out to deal with to make sure that no one can be denied based on pre-existing conditions. But that's not what happened because of, the, of what happened at the time when the ACA was passed. If you remember, they couldn't go to a conference committee report either. Now, they could have, but what happened is then Senator Kennedy passed— and the power changed. And therefore, they couldn't adjust the problems at all. And the system instantly started to collapse because the people started leaving the markets. So we've got to get back. We've got to sit down. And we've got to play. quit playing this partisan stuff that you're talking about on every ad. Believe me, I want affordable, portable health care that deals with pre-existing conditions. But I do not want a single-payer system. I want you to know that.
1: Now, uh, you know, one of the things is that the Democrats have been saying is that actually the ACA wasn't doing that badly, but that the last couple of years since uh, Trump, I mean, I'm just laying yeah, yeah, this, yeah, yeah, this no. out that you're not that, saying it. You're
2: just repeating. Right,
1: right, right. Is that because the Congress, especially led by the House, has uh, reduced the subsidies, uh, done things that the insurance companies say have helped destabilize the markets as far as the marketplace where people could go and buy insurance. I'm just interested, that, A, in your response for that. B, what do you see as a counter to allowing people to go to some sort of electronic marketplace and buying insurance if their company doesn't provide it? Okay,
2: here's here's what we got. And we had this in the bill that we passed, okay? One, it... First off, let me tell you that politically if you say something long enough, people will start to believe it's true right, and that's what right. that's the that's the market in which they're working. The reality is the bill that we had allowed for if you're not in a company where you're actually because it's basically calculating your risk pool. The larger the pool, the cheaper the price because right. the risk for someone with a pre-existing condition can be spread out. Where we worked on making sure that those risk pools could be one working with the state so you don't violate the tenth amendment, okay? So the states could still have their own rules and that's that's the tough part of it. But it was to to move forward to allow for pooling across state lines and pooling in similar industry. What that would do is, is that if you're a small business owner, just by being a small business owner with less than so many employees, you could go together with a large number, reduce the overall rate, provide them a coverage, not only one coverage, but a list of coverages that you could make a choice from based on your real need. And that was what the problem with the, with the ACA is you couldn't really make those decisions based on your need. You were going to be asked to, and, 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 and it's very difficult to get a young, healthy person to be involved with a system if it's so expensive. And let me tell you, because I was on the ACA for a while, um, what I end up doing was I end up paying a, a tremendous, my wife and I, because all of our children are out of the house, we end up paying, uh, we went from $500 to almost $2,000 a month. And we went from $25, uh, 50 and $100 deductibles to uh, a $5,000, uh, uh, cat, or a $5,000 coat that we had, m- right. threshold right. we had, right. c- right. Right, that we had to meet. So, we never even used the insurance the two years we had it because you could never meet that. But prior to the ACA, that was called catastrophic health care. And you could pick it up for about 160 bucks a month. And so... If the markets are open, if the pools are created, we can cure this problem. But we've got to quit playing politics with it and actually sit down and work together.
0: Now, one more thing that I want you to touch on before we we have a final discussion about the campaign – one of the things that he has brought up in his ads, and I think you've actually kind of tweaked him on, is that he wouldn't vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker of the House. You had an ad recently where you held up a phone, and I'm actually holding up a phone right now, and it's probably mm. unnecessary because nobody <laughs> can see it. True. But you basically said that Brendan Kelly has been doing the bidding of Nancy Pelosi and uh, Mike Madigan for years, and he might say, Well, I'm not going to vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker. This isn't true. How would you respond to that?
2: I've spent my time in the state legislature in Illinois listening to many people say during campaigns that they wouldn't vote for Mike Madigan. How's that worked out for us? It's the same situation. You can say what you want, but the thing is, if you look at his his or his uh, tax or his reform his campaign finances, he is receiving from Nancy Pelosi's group. The
0: C, by the way.
2: And she's had two fundraisers for him in D.C. He was caught at that. Actually, what one week saying he wasn't going to support her, and the next week was at the fundraiser where she was putting it on. Now, you you can say you're not going to, but the reality is you will. And if she is in the majority because they will say she's the one that had it happen, they will put the votes together, and they'll lean on the ones they need to. Now, he personally may not vote. But they would put enough votes together to know that she would be the leader of the Democrat Party. And I've watched it. I know it. I've seen it.
1: Now, I mean, without, I'm te- not with, without taking sides on this, I mean, I know the Republicans have been pushing, you know, as far as demonizing her. Mm-hmm. What is, A, wrong with her? I mean, I'm just okay, asking so things, you can things, lay that out. Two things.
2: Two things. One, I've lived through and watched an impeachment proceeding done by the Republicans, which was not a good thing for this nation. And unless they have actual due cause for it, according to our Constitution, but she's already said uh, and her group have said that if she becomes speaker, the first procedure she will start is impeachment.
1: Of of Of, the president. Of the
2: president, right. The second issue is she said that she would raise taxes and and, and get rid of our tax reductions, which I believe have caused the growth in economic growth and the rise in GDP and all the other benefits that we're seeing from that. That is the problem, and that her ideas are truly not the ideas of my district. There may be a few people in my district that believe with her ideas, but I can guarantee you, knowing my district as well as I do, that those are not the ideas of the Illinois 12.
1: Now, uh, Paul Ryan, win or lose, Paul Ryan's, Paul Ryan's gone. Uh, he's going to be gone right. as Speaker regardless whether right. Republicans keep control or not. Is there any of the Republicans who have been talking about? Mm-hmm. Being his replacement, which ones do you support me, and why?
2: Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy is a true leader. And, and somebody has asked, uh, you know, the the Freedom Caucus, and, and because of certain network television that's been pushing, they talked about Jim Jordan. And, and you know what? Jim's a nice guy. But the idea of the speaker is to be able to get people united, okay? Because somehow you've got to come up with 218 votes or, or more than that on any bill that needs to move. And you've got to be able to work in a sensible way not compromising but finding ground common ground so Kevin McCarthy has done that a lot now let me tell you there were two that were up for consideration that I would have considered and that's Steve Scalise and Kevin McCarthy Steve Scalise has already said I'll take the second spot, but I don't want the leader. And I don't know whether that's because of health reasons or—and and I'm not going to make that judgment call. Let me tell you, they're both both great people, and so is Jim Jordan. But but Kevin McCarthy is who I would support.
1: Now, if you support McCarthy, what do you see as the philosophical or what what issues would be pushed or not pushed?
2: We would continue um, with, with tax reform 202—or 202 or, or
1: two Which is the next wave of tax It
2: actually makes the, the, the individual permanent. And let me tell you why that's important. You know, when people say, well, why didn't you make the individual uh, cuts permanent? Well, you can't because the, the Bureau of the Budget has to do on non-dynamic scoring. We knew that the economy was going to be stimulated, and if the economy would stimulate, then we could guarantee them they would be... But that's not just the only thing that's out there. There's been other little tweaks that we see that we can do. Besides that, uh, we do need to be uh, uh, working together to come up with a cure for health care. That is an issue. I mean, it's a serious issue. So who's going to be able to unite them? If you can't take someone out of the Freedom Caucus or you take someone out of the most far left, out of the Democrat trying to get that middle ground is almost impossible. So that's the importance of having a a leader that can work with all people to try to come up with a...
0: Sorry, we only have a couple minutes left, but I do want to talk about how high-profile this race is getting. I'm not surprised. Sure. In 2014, when you were challenging Congressman Bill Enniert... It was big. It was a big race. It got a lot of national attention. You won. And... I think people look at the district, say, you know, it voted for Donald Trump in 2016. It's out of reach for Democrats, but don't understand the historically Democratic nature of Mm. the area. And the other variable, too, is there's a governor's race where your nominee, Mm -hmm. Bruce Rauner, is supremely unpopular. So with this in mind and the fact that both parties are clearly going to pour a lot of money to support each other, how do you win this race? And I, I'm also very interested to hear how the the rounder Pritzker race is going to affect yeah. things, because I could see that being difficult for you right, potentially. Right.
2: And and you know Trump Trump's numbers are are fair in my district. Uh, Rouners is not as good, but but Pritzker is not much ahead of him either in the district. I mean it, it it it's which it's it's kind of a race to the bottom. I hate to say that, but but it <laughs> it, it, it is it, the numbers. It's like they're just hitting each other. That being said, remember, about 18, 16, 18 years ago in the state of Illinois, we got rid right of straight party voting. So that allows people the opportunity to truly come down, look at the ballot, and pick uh, their, their person. Now let's look at the Illinois 12th and the numbers that it has. One, it is a district that, from the time I first started running, went from a D plus 4 mm-hmm. to an R plus 4
0: mm-hmm.
2: in that short period of time.
0: And I just want to point out... The Democrats drew this district purposely to be a Democratic district. They drew
2: it purposely for Jerry Costello. Yes. Which was a conservative Democrat.
0: And I think they also drew it to make the surrounding districts more Democratic, Repub- Republican Re- more and Democratic. More Republican, yeah. But, yeah. I, I mean, this is not like the Republicans drew this, like, in Missouri, but continue. Right.
2: And 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 this district, like I said, uh, Jerry Costello represented and represented it well for years. Uh, he truly represented the district. Um, but this district is turning more Red, uh, as time goes on, and that has a lot to do with the uh, development of, of housing uh, for the St. Louis and Metro East area in the uh, majority of St. Clair County. It has a, a lot to do with agriculture and their position. It also has to do with a lot of the Democrat national leaving the ideas of the older Democrats and what their ideas and principles were. Remember, this is a district that's pro-life, very strong Catholic uh, uh, and other faith, uh, but pro-life. Uh, it is pro-Second Amendment, doesn't like big government, uh, and by the time it's said and done, it is shifting. Now, also, the other factor in here. Look, we're out. We're hit, hitting the streets. We're knocking on doors. We're selling our message. We're making phone calls. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We will, Obviously, there's ad campaigns that will go on over the next 58 days. Or forty-eight days. Let me clarify that. And then you also need to remember this: there's a factor in here. We have a Green Party opponent. Yes, we do. And the Green Party opponent in my district commonly takes five to seven percent.
1: Uh, from
0: the Democrats. Both are
2: from the Democrats.
0: Almost certainly the Democrats. From the
2: Democrats. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and remember. It's a, it's a unique area because it's got Southern Illinois University, which is a very unique pocket in itself, and, and, and that's where the Green Party comes from. And remember, the Green Party was established in my district before they ever had the, the guy who, who ran twice against me then ended up running for governor and then established the Green Party by that.
0: In a race that could be decided within a couple points, that could actually make the difference between victory and defeat. Yes. I just want to thank you so much thank for joining. Thank you for having me in. I, I appreciate I, it. I, I think that this race requires more than just a 30-second soundbite, so I'm really glad we got both candidates on here. I if thank you. you. If, if you haven't already, listen to them both. Be informed. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at...
1: J Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. How
0: can people follow you on Twitter or any other parts of the World Wide Web? Uh, bossforcongress.com. Thank you very much. Until next time, so long.
1: There's a place off Ocean Avenue Sponsored by Lou Fuse, Alfa Romeo of Metro East.